0: Cohn from National Network of Schools and Partnership. Welcome to this episode of Podcasts on Partnerships. Join us today as we speak with Glenn Whitman of St. Andrews Episcopal School in Potomac, Maryland. Glenn is going to share with us the motivation behind and strategies toward creating a public-private professional development opportunity centered around mind-brain education. As always, sit back, relax, and enjoy an intimate conversation sharing inspiration and and education about the value of partnerships across our schools. Welcome, this is Blake Cohn. I am the Executive Director of the National Network of Schools in Partnership, and we are thrilled today to have Glenn Whitman um, with us. Glenn is the Director of the Center for Transformative Teaching and Learning, um, which is at the St. Andrews Episcopal School in Potomac, Maryland. Glenn is also a 10th grade history teacher and the a longtime girls soccer coach at his school. And Glenn is here to tell us a little bit about the history of the Center for Transformative Teaching and Learning and um, how that fits into our view of
1: partnership,
0: collaboration, and engagement. So welcome, Glenn.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me, Blake.
0: Um, it's great to have you. I think what's probably... Um, Best to start is for you just to tell us a little bit about your history, how you ended up at St. Andrews, how, how you came about to, to your position, etc. Uh,
1: sure. So, so I grew up uh, just outside New York City uh, to a family with zero educators. So the idea that I am, I'm a lifelong educator uh, bucks the trend, uh, but I'm, I, I'm glad I chose to buck the trend. Uh, um, I, I remember very clearly my, my lovely Jewish grandmother saying, how are you going to make any money Money as as a teacher, and uh, uh, her answer to me later was just don't marry another teacher, which which I did follow, which is great. (laughs) Um, uh, My journey though was really uh, when I was a junior at Dickinson College in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. uh, A a fraternity brother came back, uh, and he was teaching and coaching at a private school. Uh, He knew my love for history. I was a history major at Dickinson. Uh, I was a varsity soccer coach, and he said, "Look, you know, I don't know what your plans are going forward, but this is a way to combine." two of your passions and i never really thought about being a teacher really till that point point. Uh, and then i did a, a summer internship at blair academy uh, very fortuitously and that and in many ways that was one of the great sparks and mentoring moments to me to say this might be a, an interesting uh, career path so my journey was after i graduated dickens and i applied to every independent school west of mississippi i, I thought take a little adventure I ended up in Spokane, Washington, uh, like a lot of first-year teachers. Uh, I got my job about August 10th um, I, uh, while I was traveling cross-country with a buddy. They needed a, an AP history teacher and a soccer coach out in Spokane. And, you know, again, there I, I, I really fell into a, a middle school team that I was a part of that said, why would I want to do anything else? Uh, I get, you know, I'm with high-energy students every day. Uh, I get to be a learner side by side. Uh, uh, private schools certainly allow the flexibility and the creativity that I didn't feel my public school teachers had, even though they were equally dedicated. Right. So, you know, I think it's somewhat cemented my decision to stay in private school, but it also early on, a couple of the teachers within that school, and it was called St. George's School in Spokane, Washington, really said, you know, one of your bigger goals as an educator should always be to impact uh, teachers and schools beyond the kids who sit in front of you every day. And that sort of stuck with me. Uh, I think it was a guy named Errol Schmidt who sort of suggested that. Didn't really know what that could mean or would mean, but it was there that there is uh, this higher purpose of sharing that I think schools, teachers, um, and faculties must always consider doing, whether it's within their own networks of private schools or um, something that certainly your organization has spurred, uh, you know, uh, crossing um, into, into the public and the, and the charter world. Um, after that, it was a, a, a master's at Dartmouth. I did a, a boarding school stand at Blair Academy and then uh, settled down here at St. Andrew Episcopal School 22 years ago. So it's been a journey. I, uh, um, it's been uh, years of professional growth. I've been a, a history teacher, a varsity soccer coach, an advisor. I've taught anything from sixth to 12th grade. I, um, I'm currently both the, the dean of studies and then, as you pointed out, uh, the director of the only mind, brain, education, science research center based in a pre-collegiate school in the United States, which is our Center for Transformative Teaching and Learning. And I'm still having uh, a grand time doing it. I'm exponentially better as an educator than I was in 1991. Uh, so uh, that, ke- that keeps me motivated and rejuvenated.
0: Yeah. Gosh, I hope we're exponentially better than we were, our first years, right?
1: Oh, <laughs> well, I would argue, you know, teachers in any school setting need to be better in June, they were in September. But I, I have often joke, I've written about this recently, that I, in some ways, I would like a student recall, like in similar to a car recall. <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like I could serve those students I taught in the late 90s, and the early uh, 2000s, so much better, because I, 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 I know my content excellently. I, I don't think that was in question. I think private school teachers are really valued for that most of us are hired with majors in our discipline. Uh, but we're also hired generally without uh, pedagogical right. training or, or school of ed training. So I really think my pedagogical practice has gotten so much more effective using research on how the brain learns that I could serve all those students better. So, uh, through this podcast, I'll, I'll invite all those students back as my student <laughs> recall, uh, uh, it would be a year commitment, so uh, yeah. Good luck, any of them.
0: I'm sure the they're all listening, Glenn. I'm sure every single I, one of them is listening. I, I
1: hope so. I hope so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's funny because I I always think about how I'd be a better teacher because I'm a mom now. And that like these mothers, when I was young, they would ask things for of the teachers. And I I'd think like, this is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> why can't these moms do this for themselves? Or why can't their kids pull it together? And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, add that to the list of 700 things I didn't know before I was a parent.
1: Yeah, uh, no, I, I agree with you. I'm not too sure if I'm, you know, I'm a dad of two, and I'm an awesome wife. You know, the the emotional side of being a parent, some of the some of the best things I say to my students, uh, without the, I, I have it's so much harder to, to convince my kids of right. Like I to, to oh. even this morning, even this morning, right? I my daughter and I uh, fight about two things in 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 the nicest way possible. Uh, going to bed early is really critical, right. and also eating eating breakfast. And uh, I I tell that to every student at St. Andrews, and they think I I know what I'm doing. When I tell that to my 16 year old daughter, I get a, I get the look
0: right so just have somebody else tell her
1: yes there you go the te- that's why we need teachers and great school leaders uh, that's like Why the- you
0: need to have i i'm convinced i need a partner when i teach my kid how to drive somebody else should be in that car when they- <laughs> i'll teach their kid i'm certain it'll go better
1: absolutely <laughs> uh, sorry to get distracted but that's, that's
0: oh no that's this <laughs> is what it is so um so tell me at saint george's did they have already an existing, I mean, these, these mentors of yours that were suggesting that you look beyond the scope of your independent school and sort of serve, serve the the greater community and the education of all children is sort of should be your outlook. Did, were there programs there already that were looking that way or were these just a small handful of t- teachers that had this philosophy?
1: No, I, um, I think it was the latter. I, 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 I don't, I don't specifically uh recall the sort of the the new teacher onboarding process at the school as as anything that you know was life changing I, I think I think middle you know I taught mostly middle school and upper school and I find the the middle school team work and team concept and I was the, I you know I was a you know just out of college I I not taught I not taken one education class I not ever taught except in a, in a summer internship of about five weeks. Um, and I really, I think, I think they modeled what they were saying, right? Here's a new person. He's from the East coast. He's probably going to be here not forever. Uh, what if we, you know, our job is to mentor. And, um, I don't, you know, reminded me that you don't need, you need time is more important than a formal program. And I, I do believe that St. George's, um, we had We had a plenty of time to meet and just talk about pedagogy and aspirational thinking about the, with the kids in front of us, and also how we might be influencers potentially um, in, in the larger education community. This is again pre internet pre twitter when your reach is a lot harder to uh, convey.
0: Well, it seems like the perfect intro to where you 've ended up now um, in that you really are living that. That advice, right? So maybe tell us a little bit about the senator, not the senator, the center for <laughs> transformative teaching and learning, and how that sort of um, encaptures that philosophy.
1: Yeah. So I mean, you know, you know, Saint Andrews is a uh, preschool through twelfth grade school in a highly competitive Washington D.C. market. Um, our mission.
0: Uh, and is, it's an Episcopal school, it, right? It's an so-
1: Episcopal school. So, but again, you know, I'm a Jewish guy in Episcopal school. It's very easy to be, uh, I think it's really, I mean, Episcopalians, I give them a lot of credit. They, they define inclusivity very well, at least this branch well, of Episcopalians. Well,
0: and the reason why I mentioned it is because I find that Episcopal schools, like Quaker schools, they really have um, this notion of inclusivity and community. It's so ingrained in their in their you know, their tenants, I guess I was going to say brand, but I'm certain they, they are not branding themselves, but um, it's easy to, 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 to include other schools and other students in your mindset at an yeah. investment school.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. So, you know, the, the mission of the school is to know and inspire uh, each child in an inclusive community dedicated to exceptional teaching, learning, and service. And, you know, I, I think, In a highly competitive D.C. market, we're all trying to figure out as a private school, what's our what's our value add? Right. I mean, um, and, you know, for a long time, St. Andrews, which is a young school, we're just 40 years old this year. And there's schools in this area that are 140 years old, um, you know, was trying to figure out, you know, what is its niche? Certainly, we were the only preschool through 12th grade Episcopalian school on this side of uh, of the Potomac um and i think we you know it was it was actually through strategic planning which uh is where we got on this journey that would ultimately lead to the center um yeah you know, i think it was 2005 we tried to figure out you know what's the what's the next frontier for creating expert teachers which is a loaded question right i mean defining what an expert teacher is is we, we would have a, if you bring in 20 educators you would probably have 20 different opinions but one thing we 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 did find out as we surveyed our faculty you know it was, we found this gap in all of our, in a large percentage of our knowledge, Uh, actually 20% of our faculty in a self-reported survey could claim that they had any training uh, in how the brain learns, works, and thrives. So we thought that was an interesting data point that we sort of stumbled upon. And, you know, I, I, there might be only one educational truth out there. And, and, uh, and that is that every day, every kid will bring his or her brain to class or to school, right? I mean, we know, now, whether it's maximized and used well, yes, uh, that's a shared authority between the adults and, and, the, and the students. So, you know, with that gap that we, are, we, we didn't know really enough about the organ that learns as, as much as, you know, I would say the heart is also an organ of learning as well. But let's just stick to the brain for this conversation. We said, how can we close that gap? You know, what would it take to get 100% of our teachers trained in educational neuroscience And what would that training look like? And, you know, I give our head of school, who's still our head of school from that time, Robert Kazaski, saying, look, we're going to go for it. It's going to be an all-in model. Every teacher and school leader will be trained. And at that point, we were all getting a five-day's worth of training. And all of our, uh, our professional development after that would all be centered around this concept of connecting research to our practice. Uh, We had no grand plan. The strategic plan did not define every step we were going to make as a, as a school. But uh, when externally, we started getting questions as, uh, as buzz started to grow about our faculty's training and we got calls, do you offer programs, Do you have publications, you have workshops. Well, you know, not surprising. We said maybe there's an opportunity here to, to be a conduit for uh, definitely this region's public and, uh, private and charter schools, but maybe maybe we could be a mover nationally in ways that uh, St. Andrews on its own could not. And that that forged and led us to creating a center for transformative teaching and learning in in 2011. And
0: so that was six uh, years after you started.
1: Yeah. So just yeah. about. Yeah. So yeah. Almost per again. No perfect plan. We didn't. We didn't necessarily know what this thing was going to do, but we did have a couple of strategic ideas around it we we number one the the first priority of the center would be to train 100 percent of our faculty build professional development programming as an ongoing uh um, as ongoing work in this field of mind brain education science uh make sure the research into in the form of better strategies gets to our students and i give a lot of credit to both our head of school, but also probably NIS and Pat Bassett was the head of NIS at the time for really challenging schools to define your public purpose in an authentic way. He was, um,
0: on, our, he was on our founding board. so. No,
1: no. no I would say, I, I, you know, I remember sitting with my head of school in Washington, um, you know, when Pat spoke about this idea at the NIS conference when it was here and we immediately said, you know, we're going to try to define 20% of the CTGL's work as public purpose. Uh, and, you know, what that meant, again, not the perfect plan, but we said, you know, we're, it's not, we're not just going to invite people in. We're going to really make it authentic. And, uh, and that was, you know, that's an ambitious goal. I mean, a lot of private schools want to say they, they do service in public, and that's great. I think we more than exceeded what we've set out for ourselves. Um, And we started down this journey very quickly with working with Teach for America in the D.C. region. Um, And so the moons were aligning really nicely in that uh, a funder of the center was also funding TFA a little and brought us together. Um, And that was from the Crimson Bridge Foundation. And that was sort of our first foray into trying to support, in this case, second year core members with with TFA. And, um, you know, after that, things have exploded where... You know, uh, our head of research, Ian Kelleher, was just out in Delta County, Colorado, working uh, as we're launching a, a project to train their whole county um, through our online tool called NeuroTeach Global. Uh, we head to Iowa, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, very shortly to work there. And we're working very closely locally with teachers in Anne Arundel County, Frederick County, and Montgomery County. So, you know, it brings me That's great... a lot yeah it brings me great joy to to serve uh, i think equally well but equally challenging environments uh, that public school teachers are in um, as well as what we're trying to do for private schools uh, around the uh, around the country as well
0: so um I know that I came to your institute that was for a week in the summer in July. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about that and then what other things you are doing um, in addition to those programming i I just think it's really. First off, I have to say, 2005,
1: this whole mind-brain education was probably pretty cutting-edge,
0: right? Was it, yeah, I mean, it wasn't uh, a
1: yeah, I, topic? No, I think the early – it was initially – I think it was a lot around the theme of brain-based. and uh, I, I would say it was cutting-edge in the fact that there's research, both new and old research that existed, that schools didn't know how to translate or figure out. That was one. And, and number two um, – I'm not too sure if, if the idea of intentionally training teachers in the organ of learning, um, there was a lot of movement behind. I mean, I, I, um, it's sort of still surprising to us when we work with schools to say, look, you know, kids bring their brains. They need their brains to learn. Your faculty doesn't know enough about it. Let's close the gap together. It's still surprising to me that people look at us a little askance and saying, well, that's not content, or you know. Uh, well, that's, that's the it.
0: thing. I mean, I I love it because I figure I'm assuming that my teacher is a master of their content, right? So if they can be a master of their content and a master of this muscle that has to absorb, if you can maximize those two things, it, to me, it's it's genius.
1: Yeah. So I mean, one of our big one, you know, this, so we've always wanted to hold up St. Andrews as a, a model of implementation, right? So. Uh, not many schools do what we did in that we, we, we established this initiative that we're going to train 100% of our faculty. Uh, it's not like we just trained the English department or the lower school, the whole faculty, because we, we wanted to make sure we had uh, a common language, a common professional growth framework, um, and we grew in this work together. That was critical. Uh, but then we also knew we can use this as a model um, very easily a, a lot of in many ways apples to apples not perfectly right. with other private schools right I mean, um, uh, and that's been exciting um, the, the the bigger challenge certainly and, and our where our learning curves been highest and I really appreciate some patience is when we've worked with public schools and public school systems you know it's not apples to apples a private right. school system school and a public school system is not the same um, they both have though caring and dedicated teachers that want to serve their kids better um but as we work through challenges of you know class size and funding and and professional development and and time you know we we need to collaborate and not ever be seen as hey we know how to do it do it the st andrew's way or the ctto way one it's going to work and two you're going to be fine and that's just not realistic and um so what, what what we do is we try to create opportunities you actually were we, we, before even we launched our academy, we had this one-day ideas and education festival. Just I was see, there. Yeah, you were the first one. And just to see what the idea was to bring public and private school teachers into the same space. I mean, most of us go to conferences where it's just private school teachers or just public school teachers. The idea that we sit at the big kids table together, I've, I've always found one, uh, it's a missed opportunity, but two rarely happens. So that little festival got us going down this concept of what if we did something bigger or bolder? Um, and we got a EE e. Ford foundation grant um, to launch the science of teaching and school leadership Academy, which was two summers ago. Um, our goal is still an ambitious goal. We would like to achieve a 60, 40 split 60% private school teachers, 40% public or public charter. Uh, this year we were at about 73 uh, private school percent pri- private school teachers. So we're closer.
0: That's good. Um,
1: we, you know, there's certain things that we put in place. I mean, certainly there's a, uh, funding challenges that we, we help out through scholarships and, and targeted uh, support for public school teachers that are interested. But that has become uh, an amazing way. We had uh, t- teachers from 20 states and five countries at uh, the past, past academy. Um, and it's just led to some great partnerships. Uh, we were just, I was just talking to somebody from Rockville High School uh, a visual arts teacher who was um, connected to who went to the academy and just he's just really thinking about trying to do one thing differently based upon the experience um, and that could be start class differently end class differently um, transfer what they're doing visually into more narrative work to for dual coding um, so that 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 keeps growing and um, you know we've relied on funders to help make sure and help us meet our our, our goals for public school teachers, but we, we're, we're excited about that. And the Marriott Family Foundation has been fantastic. The Crimson Bridge Foundation has been fantastic. Uh, Discovery Learning Alliance, um, and all these groups would probably never support St. Andrew's right. itself, but certainly because we have the center, it is the gateway for them to also broaden their public purpose, like like we want it. Um, what I'm really excited about because how do we really do this at scale, right? Uh, the center cannot meet its demand from both from all school settings. Um, so we were challenged by the Chan Zuckerberg initiative last fall. Is there a way to leverage technology um, and the science of learning that we are really strong at translating for schools into some type of virtual tool? That's not a MOOC. That's not a course. It's different. Right. So uh, we are there. We are, we will launch this January something called NeuroTeach global. It's, it's an outgrowth of the published work of the center, including the book NeuroTeach that I co-authored, as well as our in-person programming, and where we developed this concept uh, with a software firm in North Carolina called Talented to deliver uh, micro-learning experiences to teachers through their cell phones, three to um, five-minute bursts of mind-brain education science. Uh, They can do it anywhere. They can do it at the metro while they're making toast. Uh, and ultimately it will lead to the first opportunity to become mind brain education science certified through the CTTL. Um, we already have just about th- a thousand people signed up to launch with us this, uh, this January. So we're really excited and uh, oh, more to come on that. Wow. Yeah.
0: And so where are those thousand people from all over? how did you get the word out?
1: Well, you know, this is a difference uh, that, you know, obviously 2018 makes. Uh, certainly, um, again going to our public purpose um as i said earlier the entire delta county school district 300 educators in on the western slope of colorado they will be the first dish county in the whole united states um uh, to be tr- to level one certified they're training their whole county teachers i, you know, I ate that,
0: lunch with them when i was there yeah
1: it's awesome i mean they just like let's just go for it and um you know, so there's a group there. There's a uh, smaller groups in 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 Iowa and Frederick County. They're going to train a 100 of their uh, support team uh, immediately. Uh, we're working with great principals at Mead and Northeast High Schools in Anne Arundel County, um, which you know some of our biggest interest is coming from public schools, which is couldn't make us any more happier. Right. Um, uh, our and the private schools likewise are equally interested, but. The obvious difference is the resources available for a private school to jump in today versus the budgetary cycle of a public school. So built into our grant work with CZI, and I give them a tremendous amount of credit, are subsidies for public schools to be able to get into this space. Um, So we're really excited about that.
0: And so there's grant work. Is there future funding from them, or is it just to get it up and running and then um, you're on your own? Well, how does that work with them? Uh,
1: yeah, so we, are, we, we have a, um, uh, uh, I try to think, we, we've created a, a small group of funders to help us launch and get our organization structure around Norteach Global uh, solidified over the next three to five years. And then, you know, we believe it should be able to stand on its own and the revenue that's generated um, from certain populations will allow us to do that. And we'll always have to be able to support public schools um, right. who, can, who, who want some skin in the game and understand the importance of it. But, you know, to train, you know, it's, it's pretty inexpensive. It's, it's $400 for just about 12 hours of, of experience, which includes – immediate feedback as well as mentored feedback um, through submissions of real-world, real classroom challenges, Um, So, which is exciting, but we're always gonna have to work with with, with funders and donors around the world who wanna see a high uh, impact and ROI on their investment. And I would argue, shouldn't every teacher have exposure and training and how the brain learns, works, and thrives? This might be the most innovative way to, to do this at scale. Um, and uh, we we piloted it with uh, schools, and the, the engagement data was fantastic. Um, and we'll, we'll see. I mean, ultimately, you know, ed tech works or doesn't work. Uh, but we are aggressively, uh, equally thinking about all school e- environments as we head down down this uh, That's trail. An,
0: I didn't know this. This is amazing. That is fantastic. It's really exciting. I even spent lunch talking, and I was under understanding that they were doing an online program with you but i didn't understand the like how it was going to be really accessible to 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 any teacher anywhere um so yeah. as an individual teacher could you purchase this yourself yeah, so
1: you know again the, the uh, you know a teacher's professional development is 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 varied right so you know a lot of our schools have great you know sort of innovative teachers right who who are just sieves i'm on, on growing as professionals and so if an individual teacher wants to the To uh, launch on their MBE journey, yes, Uh, certainly. You know, we see it as departments, divisions, old schools, districts. Um, You know, it's just gonna, you know, the mindset shift that we're starting to see. You know, you argue that you know, 11 years ago, we were on the cutting edge of thinking about the brain and learning. I I think there's been great movement, um, especially around the social and emotional elements of teaching and learning. Uh, and I actually think public schools are doing a fantastic job at this uh, you know recognizing look if we want highest achieving students if we want to um, lower the identity threat uh, and the other and the other threats to learning uh, anything from school safety to class race gender then our faculties and our leaders need to understand more about the limbic system and, and the amygdala and how that uh, and the hippocampus, where memory really resides in big ways, is in that space. So, what if we can get more teachers and school leaders and policymakers around the world to start thinking hey, what is foundational training that every educator should have before they enter the classroom? And is there a way to do this at scale? We, we think we, we decide to go after that. It's not a graduate course, but certainly if you do all three levels of Neuroteach Global, that's about 24 hours of work. It, uh, you will be more than NBE uh, right. uh, prepared to support all the learners that we have in our in our in our in our classrooms and schools.
0: And to circle back about the whole accessibility to public and public charter schools, um, we found on our own that uh, we're really we really have greater reach when we do things online. We've shifted uh, NNSP. It's, has shifted a lot of their, um, their online learn their learning to online learning so yep. that it's less expensive. It's easier. It's an hour. You don't need a full sub, you know, it's all these things. I think it's really um, an amazing component instead of, instead of having to go, you know, and spend, you know, $500 in addition to what you're paying for your course, you know, what have you, it's, it's great. It's really
1: and it's on yeah, your no, I mean, your webinar, no, I've, I've been following your, you know, your webinars and your, uh, you know, I think, I think the challenge for us, though, is, is we, we know, we know there's, there is very good, robust research about, around good professional development. And, you know, you know th- there's an argument to be made that, uh, and this was a study that came out in the UK and has been replicated a bit, is, you know, really, we want teachers from the PD experiences NNSP provides or the CTTL provides to do something different, right? To bring different mindsets, knowledge, and skills to their work. Um, and we know a lot of PD that doesn't happen. They're great experiences. Um, and we know the impact of, pe- of in-person uh, and also iterative, you know, you know, not just the one and done, but the, right. you know, the two, the three times. So even the work of the center, you know, we we're partnering with five schools this year. And you know, part of the relationship we build is that we will not, even though we, we know we will make it worthwhile, we will never visit a school once. We always contract and agree to two to three times in a school year. Um, you know, we were just a collegiate school uh, and C- Cancer country day school, the first of three visits this year. And it excites me. It also excites the teachers and holds them to a level of accountability. Like, Hey, these guys right. are coming. back. These guys are coming back. Right. And um, I think that is important. That said, um, there's, there's too many resource. Uh, there's a lot of resource inequality, right? I mean, one of the best phone calls I've ever got was from a school on the, on the Rio Grande river in Texas, right? There is no way they will ever be able to get to our Academy, right? Even though it only costs $300, but then you got to fly and all that. Right. Um, but the virtual space can be, can be the great equalizer, right? right. So how do they get our best of, um, and I don't, you know, and our job with them or teachers from theirs how can we close the financial gap that they can use something like NeuroTeach Global for hundred dollars instead of $400. And thankfully there's funders and foundations out there that uh, are, are willing to support those kinds of scholarship and uh, and subsidization of, of schools and districts. And uh, if any of them are listening, uh, like we all do, we would love to talk to you.
0: <laughs> okay. So Glenn, tell me what was your, um, the biggest challenge in, in, in putting together this work? Um, what what's the piece of information if somebody's really thinking like gosh this sounds great and i'm really interested next y and z what what would your advice be what was what was something you wish you had known
1: um you know I, th- I think i mean i i remember when we did our first training with um teach for america so one of the first projects we did with teach for america in the dc region was uh they would they wanted sort of a hybrid uh training of the of what the st andrews faculty got uh in mind brain education science so when you're hired at st andrews you go through a uh a three-day training um in this space and then our professional development is built around this for for the rest of your time here at the school um so the question was could we replicate it and i probably as much as we were are attuned and we knew we had to stand in their shoes
0: Right.
1: Uh, uh, I don't think we put both feet in. Um, arguably, I maybe one one foot. Uh, maybe the shoes were the size of Shaq's shoes. <laughs> but I really felt, as much as we felt and, and interviewed the, you know, it was a design challenge. Right. Here's the content we want to share. Here's your reality, and we, we had these great conversations. I mean, what is your everyday reality, and you know, wh- what are the biggest obstacles you face as as a as a teacher, a new teacher? Um, I think we could have probably exponentially learned more, Uh, you know, so I would just say, you know, there is always this tension point between how private and public schools um, and teachers can collaborate. Right. And I believe we have much more in common than we have. Absolutely. Um, And I think, again, I, you know, I, I've been a huge follower of what you guys have done. And, and again, I gave, I gave, I, I love the challenge that Pat Bassett gave us all these years, but I still think we went into that not knowing enough. Um, I think we should have interviewed before working with the teachers, the students, which we now do. Um, I think we, we sat in on some classes in schools. We didn't do that enough. Um, I think all of our sort of interviewing and brainstorming um, most of the time, most of it, we just ran out of time. Right, um, and I don't think uh, we serve that group well enough. Whereas I look at our relationship, uh, you know, we, we still have a very robust relationship with TFA in the DC region. Uh, we have a um, advanced instructional uh, fellowship that we do with uh, their sort of best of second year core members. Um, but boy, boy it is so much better it's another recall i need to have um of those core members we worked <laughs> with uh earlier on um but you know i think that was that was really our learning curve was not as we didn't approach it as steep and as aggressively um as we we, we should have or could have and I think we we miss some stakeholders, the, the students. Well, you don't know what you mean.
0: don't know until you know you don't know it, right?
1: You know, you know, absolutely, absolutely, and, and you know, uh, I, I, I think though, what we love about our relationship with TFA in the DC region, or some of these other public schools that we are working with, or these counties or districts, is that I, I think we finally have enough sort of street cred out there that this is a a, a true center based in a private school that really has an authentic public purpose and that takes time i mean they're you know you know i know private schools are very good and gracious about opening their campuses up in the summer and for for wonderful great programs uh especially for students and and I, i love that model but there's so many other ways that we have great educators they have great educators you know, we have uh, one program that we love that actually they brought to us. So uh, Teach for America D.C. said, can we just do pop-in visits to your school? We call it the Excellent School Visit Program. And all they have to do is give us 24 hours notice, and we will align uh, a teacher with, with uh, a peer or a mentor to come on campus and spend one hour, a half a day, or full day uh, with our faculty. And just as simple as that, and what is amazing about this is, um, you know, we are outside the beltway in DC. There are a lot of independent schools that TFA core members have to drive by right. to get to us. And I've always been curious: why aren't they why aren't they going to some of the, the more neighboring private schools? And and then the times that I hear that those schools just were not as receptive or interested, it just just reminds me that look, this should be easier than than it is, right. and. Cool. It's because,
0: you, because you've spent 11 years or 12 years building up this trust and this faith that you're authentic in your desire to help, right? Yeah. And I, we talk about that all the time that partnerships don't work if there's, not, if there's not that personal relationship where you know it's a safe place to go um, that, that you're welcome and that we're there to learn. And you know what, if we step on some things while we're doing it, we're going to talk about it and we're going to revamp and we're going to do it better the next time. Um, but that, but every time we talk about developing partnerships, I have to remind schools it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen. You want to develop a partnership with a school down the street that you've never spoken to. It's not going to be ready by the end of the year.
1: It's not. No, you, you named, I mean, you named it. I give a, I give our head of school and our school a lot of credit. I mean, this, is, this has been the longest sustained initiative I've been at, you know, most at any school, right? I mean, most right. schools every year, every year they have an initiative or maybe every two, they have a two-year initiative. I'll, okay, it's technology integration this year. We'll check it off. Right. Okay, we did that. But the reality is, again, I, I, I say this in my sort of snarky growing up in New Jersey way, there's, there's only one truth. I mean, regardless of how education changes, you know, whether virtual reality kicks in somewhere or artificial intelligence you're still going to need your brain to, to do this stuff, right? So the, the organ of learning will always be the brain. Teachers and schools are going to need to know it better. There is, the research is better. There are universities like we partner. We are very close with the Science of Learning Institute at Johns Hopkins. We've had on again and off again great relationships with the School of Ed at Johns Hopkins, especially Dr. Merrill Hardiman. Um, you know, next week, uh, Ian Keller, our head of research, is, is going to be presenting at Stanford with Denise Pope. So there, there, are, there, are, there are researchers in, in wonderful universities out there that want to bridge this gap between uh, uh, teachers and, and, and the university research. The, the privileged position, and I say the word privilege in the most positive way that the Center at St. Andrews has is we, we've been very aggressive and we've created resources and products to help teachers try to figure out how to translate uh, something like the, the spacing effect. What would that look like in the, in the history classroom? Or, you know, what would a new daily schedule look like for a school accounting for things around cognitive load, sleep, uh, and building relationships and taking care of the social, emotional well-being of kids? Um, it's one of the great things we just started today was our first day on our new daily schedule. I mean,
0: So what uh, time do your kids come to school?
1: Right. So that's the, and we get that question all the time. School starts at eight 30. Okay. Which is better. Uh, and one day a week, it starts at nine 30, uh, uh-huh. which, which is a shocker. To, I mean, uh, kids can come at eight 30 for a curiosity hour, but we started nine 30 selfishly actually to give faculty. Right. A it's real
0: professional development time, hard. right?
1: Right, because we know at the, the end of the school day is harder. We have coaches, we have uh, play rehearsal leaders. You know, it's, it's, it's a robust, deep dive to support better learning. And we do know from research, especially, you know, Finland's a great example, right? Even losing, we didn't lose any class time, but even if we gave up a little instructional time, by enhancing the quality of the teacher, you know, you actually, you, you maximize your time you get and you get better. You, you know, there's, there's argument, there's correlation studies that you get better.
0: Oh, you want to that talk is. about recall. I'd like to recall every child that had me in seventh or eighth period.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, because so you're, you know.
0: you're tired and it's like that warm time of day. And, um, yes. So I'd like to be teaching class at 6am and be done by two. That is just my own personal. Those are my biorhythms.
1: No, but the day, the days, of, you know, and I, you know, my, you know, I, I would like to think we, you know, we can get, you know, so in our school now, um, you know, you have half your, half your class periods every day, right? So the days of having five, six or seven classes, which is, you know, like cattle, you're herded through a day. Right. Um, and merely you're, you're just trying to survive. I mean, we know from research, that's not good learning. Even, even if the adults in the room said, well, it was good enough for me and I survived. I mean, the argument I make, to our, we're, we're going to back to school night tomorrow night. Right. And you know, the, the message I want, if a parent can walk through that school building and they say, "Hey, this see, this seems and and feels like when I was in high school or when I was in middle school or lower school." To be honest, I'm not I really don't want them to say that, right? right? Because you know, I, I you know, we know that the, the design of the classroom space it c- should be uh, should be different as opposed to no no kid should ever look at a kid's neck anymore, right? That's not collaboration. Right? Those are kind of things we should be able to kill. Um, we can give better homework. Yeah, I'm not saying end homework at all, but uh, we can space homework out. I mean, there's things we know about the learning brain that all schools can, can get easy wins on that I, that I hope we all can move towards. And the center sees itself right now in this privileged role of, of creating in-person programming, creating virtual opportunities, creating things like our placemat that the academy recipients got uh, to help bridge that gap.
0: Um, I, I'm not going to keep you forever. I promise. No, but, no, it's good. It's a fun um,
1: conversation. Yeah.
0: I was going to. One thing that popped in my head is that I feel like the strength of your center comes from um, from already knowing what your niche was and that you were good at it and that there was a need for it, right? I feel like there's the, the death of the center in all our independent schools is trying to keep up with the schools around you and saying, well, they have a center for social impact. So I need a center for social impact, or they have a center for, you know, um, transformative teaching and learning. We need that. And so to know what your niche is and to try it out for years before dedicating space and resources and faculty and time and, marketing and all that stuff I think that that also is a reminder to schools it's again it takes much longer than you'd ever like it to but that's how it's gonna have a legacy
1: yeah no I I think you I think you nailed it I mean I mean there are a couple things right and it's the calls we get about from other schools saying we're we're thinking about building a center you're one of the models you know how do you do it Right. I mean, it's, a, it's amazing. Right. It seems like if you're if you're a private school without a center, you're, you're behind. Right. So you're right. Um, uh, I would say, though, a couple of things. It, it, it has to connect to your mission. Right. So our mission includes um, exceptional teaching, exceptional learning uh, and, and service. So that was uh, an easy connection. It's a no
0: brainer. Huh. Right.
1: Um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> fair enough.
0: What are um, any key pieces of advice that you would give to somebody as they are um, embarking on some sort of partnership community engagement that doesn't necessarily apply to um, your institute but what are what are some key lessons learned about um, about starting a program as immense as the one that you've created?
1: Yeah, no I mean uh key pieces of advice i I, I think you know schools are generally when they when they're building, whether it's a center like ours at St. Andrews or uh, an initiative. Patience is not uh, a great quality, uh, especially for private schools in competitive markets, right? I mean, um, so I, you know, I will just say, uh, I give amazing amount of credit to our board of trustees, our head of school, our faculty um, that, when we embarked 11 years ago on saying we want to close the gap between our teacher's knowledge about the learning brain and their ability to use the growing body of research to inform and transform and validate their practice, we, I don't know if we expected this to be an 11-year journey or a, a, an enduring journey, but we certainly know we weren't going to, we had we didn't set any milestones that were crazily unrealistic or unfair to teachers, which I think happens a lot on schools initiatives, right? It's, you know, you know, everybody's going to, you know, be, meet these tech thresholds or these project-based learning thresholds, or you name it. Um, so that's number one. I, I would also say, you know, you've got to be true to your mission. And that has to, that has, that has to supersede the, the challenges of the market, especially with private schools, right? So, um, you know, we, we all, private schools all have seats to fill and bills to pay um but if you if you stray from your mission um there's no way you can do whatever you want to do in an authentic manner and i will just say being a um a research informed school fits great with our mission around knowing every child um uh, providing an environment with excellent teaching uh, learning um and ultimately um the desire to serve the larger educational community through our work as a private school and and again, I, I don't know if that comes very naturally to private schools throughout the country, but I do hope we provide one model of an authentic um, public-private partnerships. Um, and I do, I do, I will say leadership is important. Um, I and this is somewhat self-serving, I guess, but uh, you know, I I was tasked to literally never let the foot off the gas on the initiative, which I said earlier. Um, I, I I think our head of school gave us. Some clear charges you know how do you raise the profile in the school how do you you know generate uh funding and and revenue that your our center could be self-sustaining and more importantly how will every kid 100 of our students so whether they're the highest achieving kids currently a struggling kid currently or that sort of just fine kid in that middle who unfortunately we sometimes forget every kid should benefit from whatever center's your goal of your center and every faculty member. Um, And those are, those are key, key metrics. So again, I would say patience, uh, leadership are, are, are two critical um, elements that uh, we made mistakes in, but we've also um, leveraged to become as thankfully successful as we did. It's,
0: it's perfect because that's what I, I feel like. I'm always professing that you have to have patience that these things don't happen overnight. Great ideas can come upon us overnight, but actually putting them into practice and making them sustainable um, and meaningful is a much longer practice and little setbacks can't be reason to turn your back on your original uh, goal, yep. and your, your mission of your school.
1: Yeah. And I'll add one more thing. You know, if you're really going to, pursue public and private partnerships you know whatever you think your learning curve is as a private school it's going to be exponentially steeper because you know it it, it, it you know it, we are, we work with teachers who love their kids as, and and every school setting has those but th- there are there are there are differences in experiences in everyday life that you have to be saying okay you tell us um, from both sides, uh, right. we, now both sides bring, we like to talk about shared authority we, that. The student and teachers have shared authority for the classroom. Um, in a private public partnership, I would just say that word is really critical. Those words are critical too. Both sides bring a shared authority to be in a successful, uh, partnership. And I, uh, I don't know where I ever got that term from, but, uh,
0: it's, I like
1: it. it's been a reminder. And so I, yeah, I can't trademark it or make money off it, but anybody who wants to use it, or at least believe in it.
0: We, we lean heavily on the words uh, reciprocity. So I'd like to add something new to my <laughs> vernacular. So that's great. So I'll give you credit. And
1: pass the credit
0: back to wherever it's from. Yeah. So what are, the, what are the questions you're pondering about the future of w- where this work is? Where, where do you envision it in five years or 10 years?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I think like any school, you know, we, we are interested in the question of what's the future of school and schooling um we you know I, I i i think you know i'm i'm reading this great book right now called reader come home um and it's it's about the impact of technology and digital world is having on our kids how uh, they can attend to reading and we know technology is changes brains right. um for good and bad and you know what what where virtual reality is going to fit in ai is going to fit in i will just say this i maybe I'm just trying to save the jobs of my colleagues, but <laughs> I still think the best schools and the best teachers um, are, are high touch and relationships make the biggest difference and a quality of a human teacher, I think for the foreseeable future will make the biggest difference in the lives of all kids. And I, I just still think there is such a a, a gap and an irony that we put teachers in classrooms around the world who have little understanding and experience with how the brain learns, works, and thrives. So I think our biggest challenge, which I noted earlier, is I St. Andrews as a private school um, should not be with uh, other private schools or even highly high-achieving public schools in a privileged position that our teachers know more about the learning brain, right? It should be expe- expected of all teachers and all school leaders and so, we are trying to figure out, right, again, how do you take technology and the science of learning and to make sure everybody has foundational um, exposure, experience in applying it and getting feedback on the work. And uh, we actually are ho- hopeful that the only way to, the traditional ways of, of getting such certification or the, 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 the master's program or the, the, the long courses of the MOOCs just don't work with teachers' reality. Right. Um, so we're hoping, to be honest, to disrupt the, the delivery of the science of learning to teachers um, sort of in some space between their undergraduate work and graduate work um, and stay tuned for that. Um, I feel that's our, as a private school, that's our public responsibility only because we've gotten so out in front on translating research for our faculty and our students.
0: I think it's awesome. I think that's a perfect place to wrap up because it really does summarize everything that we're talking about. Um, Your responsibility to share what you know and to meet meet the other people where they are and to ask what they need, and um, and it really is fantastic. I cannot wait. I'm, I'm after this whole conversation, I'm fascinated with your work. I said that to you um, the, when yeah, we got cut off, cut off, and I sent you an email in between our fire alarms. That <laughs> I have, I, I not only find it great that you're doing all this work for um, for for all schools, but also just on a personal level, I find it so incredibly fascinating the work that you are. You know, not just the public-private partnership part of it, but the actual work is really, really transformative. I think and um, could really improve learning for all kids, K-12, even higher ed, what have you. Even old adults with rusty old brains like myself. Um, And I was sharing with my son all the stuff about sleep and when when he's best learning and remembering and things so that, as you said, you fight with your daughter about her bedtime and her breakfast. I have no problem with breakfast, but bedtime is a little trickier.
1: Yeah, you know, I think you, you, without extending this to, I think you hit on something that we're intrigued by, more professionally satisfied than I think I could have ever imagined. I mean, I love teaching history, um, but I don't think I ever imagined myself serving the larger educational community through my teaching. And, um, and I, I was just, I, I'm intrigued by this uh, concept. When we were talking to John Gould of the e. E. Ford Foundation, he, he keeps talking about how do you attract, retain, and develop the next generation of teachers and school leaders. And I think you know this generation that wants to make a difference. You know they're coming through schools that require service. Like my high public high school, service was not a graduation requirement, but a lot of schools have that. They also wanna they wanna be you know, make an impact. Um, and I think I wonder. This is just a wondering for your audience. Is this a way to attract the next generation of teachers? To, into a, a field that values research, wants teachers to do research and report back on, but more importantly, wants them to see themselves as, as servant teachers, right. um, as much as uh, serving the kids in front of them, but also sharing in the global education community where technology allows us to tweet, blog, you know you name it. So I'm intrigued by that. If any of your listeners or group schools, public, private charter, whatever out there wants to talk and play, uh, we will make it possible to uh, to share our thinking and. Work.
0: Okay, so let us know how. How do we reach you? Where
1: do oh, we, you? yeah. Don't call the phone. The phone doesn't work anymore. I don't think. Uh, uh, certainly, my email is G for Glenn Whitman, like Walt and the chocolates uh, at s a e s dot org.
0: And we'll have that on our website for yeah. everybody. So, um,
1: I, I love Twitter. So at G Whitman C-T-T-L, or at the C T T L is another one. Um, but again. We, uh, th- those are two of the, the, the best ones uh, for us. And uh, we love to share. Um, we recognize every school's different, but we also recognize every kid will bring his brain and her brain to school.
0: And finally, Glenn, give us a plug for um, <laughs> your institute for the
1: summer. Oh, thank you for the, uh, yeah. So uh, for those who are out there, we, we have, uh, we're going into our third year of our Science of Teaching and School Leadership Academy. 200 educators uh, speak for 200 educators from around the world five days of deep dives with some of the greatest minds in in this work dan willingham uh mary helen emordino yang i mean really the the big wigs and including a guy named whitman and, and keller who wrote a book called neuro teach uh we have subsidies and su- special funding for public and charter schools teachers so uh please don't think you don't have the resources if you have the uh interest we will make it possible for you but that's in july and uh, love to make it accessible and possible for your listeners,
0: and it was fantastic. I've now participated um, for one day last summer, and then the uh, like we, we spoke about early earlier the initial day it's fantastic the the people that are there and the ideas they're all sharing were really inspiring and yep. um, thought-provoking honestly yeah we have a
1: day at uh, we have a day up at Johns Hopkins which is fantastic and I I guess now that you're a veteran we'll just have to create a, a permanent plaque for a seat with the NNSP logo on it
0: <laughs> just don't make me make my own name tag that was high pressure there you go there you
1: go well I, it's such a pleasure and uh, to, to your audience out there I hope we can serve as a as a model as well as partner or just share at some point
0: well thank you glenn so much um i really appreciate you sharing your work and um i look forward to talking to you more about this
1: awesome blake great luck and we we'll look forward to seeing you at your national conference coming up.
0: thank you so much for joining us for this episode of podcasts on partnership We hope to see you at some of our future NNSP programming, such as our online workshops, our regional meetings, and as Glenn mentioned, our national conference, which will be held in Washington, D.C. on January 27th and 28th, 2019. Until the next time, remember, partnership works.